Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Bruce gets up close and personal with two award-winning writers, Barbara DeMarco Barrett and Todd Goldberg on their new book, Palm Springs Noir. If dark and evil crime mystery is your thing, listen now. The Bruce Cook Conversation with your host, Bruce Cook. Trending now, here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue. Good Sunday night, everybody. It's Bruce Cook. It's the conversation live tonight, Angels Radio, AMA 30. Thank you, thank you, thank you for staying with us. We're following the Peter Dill Show, and we're having a great Sunday night here in Anaheim Stadium, coming live to Los Angeles, Orange County, the Inland Empire, all over Southern California. Listen, I've got some good news for people that are still listening tonight and haven't changed the station. I'm not going to talk about COVID. I think I hear applause. I hear applause in the studio. I'm not going to talk about COVID, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not. Listen, Dr. Fauci was supposed to come on tonight. He called and canceled. Then Dr. Ashish Jha from Princeton was supposed to come on with Dr. Fauci. He called and canceled. They all canceled. So you're in luck. We're not talking about COVID. Actually, we're not going to talk about anything political tonight we're not going to even talk about anything sports tonight we got something different and i gotta tell you i'm gonna have a good time i hope you are too uh very different tonight we're going to talk to two authors tonight one of them is an author editor who has written a book and i'm going to tell you what all it's about in just a second but i gotta lead into it i gotta lead up to it it's a woman who has been a writer for most of her life uh she's a teacher of of writing also she's done so much she also manages and runs a a salon for writers here in southern california she's in touch with the the genre of all different kinds of fiction and nonfiction. what she has done is create and edit and write a book titled palm springs noir okay how many people know what noir is raise your hand in radio land I was talking to a friend of mine this morning who was pretty smart. He said, what's a noir? I said, you don't know what a noir is? Okay, in a word, it's a, it's a French word, and it means darkness. It means, it means disaster and death and de depravity, and it's a very common word in literary fiction and also in film. And it's when there's murders and there's evil in the story, in a, in a nutshell. That's noir. So Palm Springs Noir came out, I don't know, about six weeks ago, and it is edited and compiled by Barbara DeMarco Barrett, who's going to join us in a second. She is also the author of one of the stories in the book. It's a compilation of very, very good writers who have each written a short story in the noir theme, all taking place in and around the California desert, Palm Springs to Indio to Thousand Palms. And I thought it would be really interesting to talk about tonight because we're on the we're on the cusp of the desert season beginning. And we know how we love the desert in California. It is a magical place. Anyway, so that's Barbara. And we're going to say hello to her in a second. But before we do, 
she has graciously called one of the writers who is in that book, and his name is Todd Goldberg. And he's going to join us along with Barbara. We're going to have a really good conversation about writers and writing, about noir in particular, about the lifestyle, about the ins and outs, the ups and downs. Let me tell you a bit about Todd. Todd is a New York Times bestseller. He has a number of books that have been read by millions of people. He is also a teacher, like Barbara. He is a professor at UC, Irver UC Riverside. Uh, Barbara teaches in Orange County at, um, I've just forgot the name of what the school is, UC Irvine, perhaps. Anyway, they come with great credentials. And the two of them are going to join me tonight in a roundtable on radio as we explore the life of two writers in Southern California, two contemporary edgy writers in Southern California, and a book about the dark side of the desert. So I'll stop babbling. And since we're not going to worry about COVID tonight, we're going to introduce the radio audience first, Barbara Goldberg. Barbara, I'm Barbara Goldberg. Barbara Barrett. <laughs> Barbara DeMarco Barrett. Welcome. Hi, Bruce. How are you? I'm great. Todd, you keep standing by. We're going to get to you in a second. <laughs> Barbara, thank you for coming on tonight. I have been looking forward to this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I am so impressed by your writing. Your story is amazing. It is the most evil and horrible thing I've ever written. <laughs> I read, not written. I aspire to write something so horrible. No, it is so horrible. Where do you get these thoughts, Barbara? Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where, where they come from. I, I think maybe... I think maybe writers who write crime fiction just see the dark side of things. You know, I mean, any anything. I'm walking down the street, somebody's car is idling along the curb. I think, well, if I were a certain type of person, I would get in the car and drive away. I was just going <laughs> right? to say, I know that's what you were thinking. <laughs> this is you're horrible. You're a terrible person. <laughs> So. Do you have blue tips on the end of your hair like your character in your story? Oh, no, no, no. I would never do that. <laughs> All right. Listen, before we get more into the story, into the book, tell us more about you. Who are you? What's What makes you tick? Tell us about uh, Pen on Fire, which was your first big success, I believe, and give me the dope. Whoa, there's, there's a lot of questions there to unpack. Um, well, should I talk about actually how the how palm springs noir came about no not yet i just want to know about you how did you come about how did i come about well i grew up in a home with italian speaking parents who were basically my dad was from sicily my mother's uh, parents were from naples and so i grew up in a household of italian speaking people who didn't really like to speak english but they didn't want me to learn italian and so I went into books. I spent my time with books. And when I, when I finally got to college, the reason I took a writing class was not to be a published writer so much as it was to uh, be able to, to put my thoughts and feelings on the page. And, and so it kind of began like that. I mean, I tried to quit writing in college. My advisors wouldn't let me. <laughs> like, no, no. You can't go back to theater. 
Well, they saw something. They saw something there. You're lucky. You're lucky you had advisors like that. A lot of a lot of writers are um, discouraged by their advisors in college and in school. They're 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 put down. And it sounds like you had mentorship. Yeah, I went to a little college in Vermont, a little private college in Vermont. So the classes were all small, and it was all about creating art more than anything else, I think. We, they weren't interested in the business so much as the art of whatever it was. And so I just kind of kept on after that. And uh, when I got out, I, I actually then taught myself journalism because there, there wasn't a great market for short story writers or poets. And so I, um, I became a journalist, and then I did PR for a long time because that was a way for a writer to make a good living. And then I left that behind and just really focused on freelancing and, and writing fiction. Well, and, let, um, let, yeah. me, let me stop you there because we're going to come back to your bio in a minute. I have one question before I get into Todd and ask him the same thing. Did you ever reconcile with your parents in terms of the culture gap, Italian versus the American dream lifestyle that they wanted for you? Not really. I really, no. I, I, my dad died when I was 17, I think. And so, and then my mother, you know, she had a boyfriend who became a husband and, they never, she never quite got what I was trying to do, and I think, I think she appreciated what I was trying to do, but she didn't quite understand it because she quit school in the seventh grade. Got it. And so, yeah. So All right. That's kind of how We're coming back to that, so don't don't let that go because I I want to follow <laughs> up on that. But in the meantime, okay. welcome Todd Goldberg. Are you there? I am here. Nice to see you or hear you at the very least. Well, maybe you could see me too. We all have magic powers, right? Especially, especially noir writers that pass by a car on the street with an idol running and want to steal it. What about you? What is your darkest? What is your darkest secret? Well, I am calling from inside Anaheim Stadium, Bruce. I can see you from right field. Are you so kidding I'm, me? I'm, I believed you. I well, come on I'm, in. Come on in. We're just upstairs in the annex building. Perfect. I'll, I'll be right over. I'll bring Mike Trout with me. Okay. Um, except, <laughs> except, I think the place is empty tonight. There is not a soul around. So you must be a doppelganger. <laughs> Many people presume I'm a professional athlete when they first lay eyes on me. So Do yeah. they? Do they? Uh, oh, I'm, I, yeah. I've, I've got that kind of fitness, Bruce. You know, you look at me and you think <laughs> NFL do- quarterback. How do I know, know that? How do I sense that you're being facetious? <laughs> Well, the last name Goldberg doesn't do me a lot of favors in this regard. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Wait a minute. There's a lot of Jewish basketball and uh, not basketball, baseball players, big ones. And also tonight, uh, not tonight, but the Giants manager, David um, Kapler. Uh, Gabe. David Gabe Kapler. Kapler. Gabe you... Kapler, yeah. And then there's a I – should... well, anyway. I should, I should ask him for a job. I should ask <laughs> no, I don't think you need one. You're doing okay as a writer. I am also very impressed by your short story. I had I related to it totally because I'm I'm a dis, I'm a disappointed disappearing person, just like your character. <laughs> well, you know, I I come by uh, I come by noir pretty honestly. I I have to tell you, I I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who uh, who did a little time and. 
I asked him, you know, why, why are you a fan of my writing when you have done the stuff that I just make up? And he was like, well, you had two choices. You could have been like me or you could have been like you. And I was like, yeah, I'm not tough. He's like, yeah, I know. What kind of time did he do? What well, kind of time? What are we talking about here? Murder? I can't, I can't, I can't divulge my sources for this poor man. Oh, is he listening? I hope he's listening. He's a big fan of the show. I he certainly hope so. Fan. We need as many as we can get. <laughs> all my but, children, you know, all my children are forced to listen. I have to pay them every week. Well, that, I'm running out of money. This, this is how you get fans in this business. You, have a lot of children. You're absolutely right. And you know what? On radio, the other way to do it is give away things. So tonight, I'm gonna the first hundred callers that call in to buy to buy Palm Springs Noir are going to get nothing, but they get to call in. <laughs> Listen, what is your background in a nutshell? I know that you were raised in Palm Springs because we had a nice chat on the phone the other day. I know that your mom was the society editor for the Desert Sun for years. By the way, I'm also the society editor for the Los Angeles Times in Orange County, so I never knew your mother, but we have something in common. Tell me about well, you. Actually, Tell me about you. And why did you, you know, get, actually, how'd you get into writing? I, I will tell you these things. So I, I come by both of all of these things, honestly. So before I lived in Palm Springs, I actually lived in the Bay Area, where my mom was a columnist and my father was in TV news uh, for many, many years. Where was and she a columnist? She was a columnist at the Oakland Tribune and the Contra Costa Times. Wow. Uh, so where did you my, live in the Bay Area? In Walnut Creek. Okay, um, got it. The, the hardened streets of Walnut Creek. And my dad was a TV newsman in, in the Bay Area and then up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so writing was always in our, our family. You know, it was, it was a thing that was sort of expected of us that we would be competent writers. Um, even my grandmother was a journalist. Um, and my brother Lee is also a novelist. And, um, you know, by the time I was 10 years old, my brother had already published his first book. So writing was always a thing that seemed like a, a possibility for me, a real one. Um, you know, I, like I, I would have liked to have played, you know, quarterback for the Raiders, but that wasn't going to happen. I could write about being the quarterback for the Raiders more likely than I could becoming one. And so essentially I've always been a writer. The only thing that stopped me is that I was profoundly dyslexic as a child. And so I didn't really learn to read or write until I was about 10 years old. Um, in fact, when I was a kid, I was told I would never read or write above a fourth grade level. Perfect. Um, yeah, and there are some reviews on Goodreads that intimate that that is correct. So, you know, the prophecy, the prophecy has been borne out. Well, um, listen, Einstein was dyslectic, and I, I can't even say the word. There, there's a lot of folks that are, um, that are creative and, and were dyslectic, and I think a lot of it has to do with the ability to, you know, to compensate. You know, you can't do one thing so you're compensating with your creativity. And I was lucky to come of age in the 1970s when, you know, treatment for dyslexia really became something that was possible. And so by the time I learned to read and write, um, I, it essentially just took off. I, I, I just didn't stop. Um, and so I've been writing my entire life. It's really the only real job I've had other than being a professor. Well, it's, it's very, it's very impressive, and and uh, as I said, just like Barbara, I thought your story was outstanding, and we're going to get into it when we come back from our first break. 
Ladies and gentlemen, listening to radio tonight, I hope you haven't changed the channel because there's nothing better than the conversation. We're going to take a break. Barbara DeMarco Barrett, Todd Goldberg are going to stay with us. We have so much more to find out about. So we'll be right back. Ducks Radio, AMA 30. KLAA. At the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, the Hogue Epilepsy Program is accredited by the National Association of Epilepsy Centers as a Level 4 Epilepsy Center. This means that our experts provide the highest level care for patients with complex epilepsy. Our patient-centered approach to epilepsy treatment combined with state-of-the-art technology, including robotics and laser ablation, ensure the best possible outcomes for our patients. To learn more or for an evaluation, call 949-966-0243 or visit hogue.org forward slash epilepsy care. Every day, friends, family, and neighbors struggle with emotional pain. For some, this can include thoughts of suicide. Though the warning signs can be subtle, they are there. Go to suicideispreventable.org and learn how to recognize the signs, start a conversation, and connect someone to help. You have the power to make a difference, the power to save a life. Learn more at suicideispreventable.org. Supported by the Orange County Healthcare Agency through the Mental Health Services Act. When you join SIA LTL Freight, you belong to something bigger from day one. Whether you live for the long haul, the city route, or working the docks, we have a job for you. Join the most elite team in the business. Best in class benefits, signing bonuses, and a first rate commitment to safety. To start your journey with us, go to workatsia.com. That's workatsia.com. It's no secret that real estate has been a solid, long-term investment play for just about everyone. So with rents skyrocketing, how can you take advantage and buy some rental property to get in on the action? Good news. Owning now offers a double-play cash-out loan program where you can refi your mortgage to take out the cash you're sitting on in your home's equity. Then you find a rental property where your cash-out refi covers the down payment. The rent covers the new mortgage payment. Owning provides the purchase mortgage. And boom, you're a real estate investor. Of course, you need good credit and enough verifiable income, but why not call 833-2-OWNING or go to owning.com to see if the double play is right for you. For qualified borrowers. NMLS 2611, licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, subject to credit approval. Call 833-303-2160 for terms and conditions. Equal housing lender. That's 833-2-OWNING or go to owning.com. Ducks Radio, AM 830. KLAA. And I can't take it anymore either, especially in the genre of noir. I'm Bruce Cook. It's The Conversation Tonight. I'm with two outstanding writers, Barbara DeMarco Barrett, Todd Goldberg, and we're talking about the life of writing. And especially, and we will get to it, Barbara and Todd, we want to get to your book, but I still have a couple more questions about the life of writers before we delve into Palm Springs Noir. Barbara, let me start with you. You have spent your lifetime pursuing this career, this dream. 
everybody knows that the life of a writer is challenging and difficult and very emotional and a lot of ups and downs. And it also leads to drugs and alcohol. How has it been for you? What, is, what has been the greatest joy? Mm, the greatest joy. Wow. I don't think anybody has ever asked me that. The greatest joy. I don't know. You know, I just, I, I like that I can take um, things I have lived through and, and transform them into fiction. I think that is, when, when I get into a flow with the writing, that's probably the greatest that's probably the greatest joy. How about how about infusing your own life, your own personal experiences in your characters? How true to your life are your characters? Or is it fair to say that they are pretty much fictionalized? Um, my my fiction is fictionalized. The story in Palm Springs Noir is fiction. I didn't exactly live that, but I took aspects from my life, my, my mother and my brother, namely, and and um, they found a way into the story, but it didn't exactly happen that way. You know, I'm, I'm sure it didn't. You know what? <laughs> when I read your story, I thought I I don't know you. I've never met you. I don't know that much about you, except that I've followed your career. And was when I was reading that story, I felt that the mother and the brother were part of your life even though we'll get into what happens to a degree later in our our talk together. But I felt that. I did feel that. Really? That's I did. I did. Why do you think? Why do you think you did? Why do you think you felt that? I think it was the way you're writing the character of Greta, the daughter, mm -hmm. dealt with the mother who is suffering mm -hmm. from early stage dementia and yeah. was living. And you also made your mother Italian. You made your mother Italian, which I, I assumed you were from the DeMarco. That's true. <laughs> and, and the idea that she was a loving Italian mother who didn't see the bad in people, in her own family, in her own son, and, and in you, or in the character of Greta. She didn't see the bad. She only wanted to see the good. And I just had a feeling. Yeah, well, you're right. I just had a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Todd, Todd, it's your turn to tell me about what it's like to have the life as a writer. Is it tough? You're married. I, do you have children? Um, do you make a living? I know you've had some great success. Uh, I have a <laughs> wife. I have no children. I have a dog named Rube Goldberg. Because if you have an opportunity <laughs> to name your dog Rube Goldberg, you take it. Um, <laughs> I, I have plenty of money. Um, I'm how much? How, since you said that, how much do you have? <laughs> I'm filled with happiness. I live in a house on a golf course in the desert. Which golf um, course? Uh, Bruce, I don't want strangers knocking on my door. Well, it's probably a gated community, but I can judge it, how much money you have by which golf it, course you live on. It is, in fact, a gated community. Of course here's it is. What I, uh, here's what I will tell you, Bruce. Because I... I had an answer for the first question you asked Barbara after I thought about it, about what my greatest joy is. And, and so I've had a lot of cool stuff happen. You know, when, like the day that I became a New York Times bestseller, that was pretty cool. Um, the day that I sold my first book, that was pretty cool. But the best part of it, the most joyous part of it for me, is that my, my brother and I are, have the same job. And he's my older brother. He's nine years older than me. 
But both of us being successful in this job has allowed us to, like, achieve every dream we've ever had. We had the same dream. And to meet all of our heroes and to do cool, amazing stuff together. And the joy that I get from being able to be with my own sibling while meeting a hero like, like Donald Westlake, for instance, or Elmore Leonard, both of whom have since died, though not at our hand, um, like things like that, those are the things that when I look back over all this time, the writing of the books, all that, that was awesome. But the, the thing that made me feel like a, a five-year-old or a 10-year-old again was being with my brother and sitting across the table from Elmore Leonard and Donald Westlake and talking to them like colleagues, like, oh, my God. You can't imagine it's going to happen. You want to pinch yourself over and over and over again. So, um, Todd, what is the dream book that you haven't written? Oh, gosh, I don't know. You know, the my novel, Gangsterland, was sort of the dream book that I had in my head that I wasn't quite capable of, of writing until I wrote it. Um, and, and I've now written two sequels to that, and I'm finishing up a third uh, right now. Um, and then I'll start a new series about crime at the Salton Sea in the 1960s. Um, so it's, it's hard to say if there's a dream book, but the opportunity just to write every day and to do it, like, that is so cool. Like this morning I woke up and I, I worked on a script with a friend of mine. I watched the Raiders lose. I fell asleep in the third quarter. That's a pretty great day, Bruce. <laughs> Good for bad. you. <laughs> Good for you. Barbara, what about you? What What is the book you haven't written that you that you will write someday? I might be working on it right now, actually. What's it about? Um, Can you tell us? What's it about? It, it begins with a peeper. <laughs> a peeper looking in the window, which is based on something that happened, of course. And um, it all begins with the peeper looking in the window, meeting the eyes of the resident of the house, and how the peeper changes her life. That was on and, the news um, last night. <laughs> downtown Los Angeles, and they, then they shot him, which is yeah, all very noir. Happens. It's all very noir, so it fits right in. No problem. Yeah. No problem at all. Okay. It sounds like I've got two happy writers on the phone. I, I was expecting an F. Scott Fitzgerald drink myself into oblivion story, but I'm not getting that. But, you know, that's what brings in the ratings, Todd. That's what brings – Rube Goldberg does not bring in the ratings. Drunkenness – Drunkenness and depravity in Hollywood, and this—that's what—that's what your life's in noir is all about. How come you're both so happy? This is the problem: is that marijuana is legal now, so <laughs> these, these things have all been eradicated. All the writers are are happy and staying home, and they get Instacart. We don't need to be sad anymore. All right, let me talk about Palm Springs. Speaking of marijuana, now that's a weird segue, but. Let me just say that I've been a lover of the desert since I was a, a young person, and I've seen Palm Springs and the entire desert community change radically over years. And today, Palm Springs, to me, is so different from what it once was in terms of the glamour and the excitement and the beauty. And to me, it's like there is a lot of marijuana, and there's a lot of diversity that's a lot of angst going on in Palm Springs, and it's just not the same place. How did this book germinate, Barbara? Is it because of all those changes? Because so many of these stories are so dark. Yeah, they are. They are dark. Um, well, I'm unlike Todd. I, I 
have never lived there for long periods of time, maybe a month at a time in the summer. And um, I, when I started spending uh, the month of June in Palm Springs, I started reading the, the crime log that, that is posted on the police department's website and learned that there's just all this stuff that's going on there. And I thought the contrast between, you know, the beauty and, you know, it being a resort town, a vacation spot, the contrast between that and all the dark stuff was really interesting to me. And that's, that's kind of where I think it all began. Do you think it's kind of society as a, as a whole, as well as just in this little berg in the middle of the desert at the foot of San Jacinto Mountain? I mean, I don't know. The world seems a lot trashier to me and a lot more noir in general. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. But I don't know. I mean, I, you know, some some places you go, you expect it. And other places, like for me, Palm Springs, I didn't expect it. And so that contrast is, is uh, you know, the fact that there's this dark underbelly in Palm Springs, that's really, um, that really fascinated me. And I wanted that- to read stories that took place in Palm Springs, and I couldn't find them. I see. Todd, do you have something to... Yeah, I mean, you're you're wrong, is the answer. Okay. (laughs) There's there's been a dark underbelly in the Coachella Valley since the Coachella Valley became the Coachella Valley. Well, that's like the world. (laughs) Palm Springs was built by the same gangsters that built Las Vegas. And the only difference is that gaming was illegal in California and it was legal in Nevada. We're talking about the same crime families that built Las Vegas, built Palm Springs in in the 1930s and the 1940s. And so this perception that Palm Springs is never a city of noir, that bad things didn't happen here, that it was a glamorous place. This is a town built by criminals. This is a town built on the backs of Native Americans who had their land stolen from them. Yes, but they, but those gangsters were so much more elegant, and they drank champagne in glasses. <laughs> Listen, I've got to take our half-hour break, so I'm going to stop you. Okay. But I'm going to come back to this when we get back, because I've got another aspect I want to ask you about. Listeners, it's Bruce Cook. It's the conversation tonight. We're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not leave this conversation. Ducks Radio, AMA 30. Pick Up Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue is ranked in the top 1% in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. It provides world-class care through multidisciplinary expert teams, each focusing on specific disorders of the brain and spine, such as stroke, aneurysms, brain tumors, Parkinson's disease, cognitive disorders including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, back pain, as well as spinal cord issues, addiction medicine, and sleep disorders. Our renowned experts offer the best evidence-based care, state-of-the-art technology, and the latest clinical research, all focused on the individual patient. Our stroke program was the first in Orange County named as a certified comprehensive stroke center, and our brain tumor program is the largest in Orange County and among the top volume programs in the Western United States. Pick up Family Neurosciences Institute. Compassionate care, clinical excellence, creative intelligence. To learn more, call 
516-9075 or visit hogue.org forward slash neuroinstitute. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this very well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and their families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women has helped addicted women recover in a nationally recognized treatment facility in Costa Mesa. Their doors are wide open. It just takes the first step. Call New Directions for Women. The number is 888-786-0509. Again, 888-786-0509. You can also visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Hall of Famer Warren Sapp here to tell you about my favorite sports book, BetUS.com. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Just like me, BetUS is the Hall of Famer of online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. Call today, and they will get you set up faster than I can run the 40. I play at BetUS, and so should you. BetUS.com. Up to 200% sign-up, or use code KLAA at sign-up. Tell them Sapp sent you. Hey, it's Roger Lodge for 714 Tickets. You know, any ticket, anytime, anywhere. Rams, Chargers at SoFi, Raiders in Vegas, MLB playoffs, Lakers and Clippers, all those big shows at the Forum, Staples Center, or the Greek Theater. And 714 Tickets also buys the tickets you're not using. Online at 714tickets.com, where the price you see is the price you get. Or dial 714-T-I-C-K-E-T-S, 714-Tickets, 714-Tickets, 714-Tickets. Call today, you can go tonight ducks radio am 830 kla our board producer here at the station always picks this great music and i love this song it really gets me wound up to complete the show what do you say todd goldberg do you like desposito it is the best song I've heard in the last seven minutes. Thank you. I knew you would give me that answer. <laughs> I knew that would be your answer. Listen, on the subject of Palm Springs, the inspiration for the book, you were very clear in, in pointing out that Palm Springs was also very much an under an underbelly of gangsterhood from the very beginning. But I started to say that it was really very concealed. For the general boring public, they didn't see... They didn't see a lot of that. Maybe they hinted at it. Maybe they knew it. Today, everything's out in the open. And let me get to the point. Reading Palm Springs Noir, there are several short stories by very talented writers that have to do with the most depraved, most <laughs> most horrible behavior in the gay world. And I'm bringing that up because the desert, Palm Springs in particular, is a very, very large enclave of gay society. These stories were so horrific and so terrible. It's it's so much worse than Barbara wanting to steal the car that's running <laughs> on the street. I wondered, have you had Barbara, have you had any reaction to these particular stories and how horribly depraved they are? 
Actually, every not really. I mean, not like people worried that they're so dark. Um, well, I have to let me interrupt you. I have to say the one story <laughs> where a, a, some man checked into a guest house and was chopped up, and then his father came to well, find him, and yeah. he was chopped up, and then the man that chopped them up <laughs> chopped up his his renters. They all got chopped up. But it was a funny story, wasn't it? No, but it was very, I mean, the knives that were used. How many knives were used in that story? I mean, oh. my God. I, I guess I need to look at that one again. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm getting off topic here, but it, I have to tell you, I couldn't put down the pages. I kept turning the pages. Kept turning the pages. Well, well that's good. Yeah, I found that story, the guest, really funny. Um so I don't I don't know what that says about me. I just I I thought it was a riot. As Todd's Todd's is very funny. There's a couple of really funny stories in the book that would go against what you might expect in terms of noir, I suppose. Todd, what do you have to say about all this? Well, I think comedy and noir go hand in hand. The the, the history of noir fiction, you know, when we're talking about it goes back to sort of the, the gold medal era of american paperback um and there was always a mixture of stylized violence and black comedy that were going together uh, because you're dealing with anti-heroes you know you're not th there's no good guys in a noir story and so i think a lot of times that naturally leads itself into uncomfortable laughing and humor because things are so dark and the story you're talking about eric beaton's story is that is is without a doubt Bruce, one of the most deeply effed up stories you've ever read in your entire life. Well, the reason um, the reason I brought that up was what I started to say. I'm sure there's a lot of citizens in the desert in Palm Springs that are reading this book. How do you think they're going to react to that kind of story, especially in the gay population? Oh, I, I think everyone understands that crime fiction, um, you know, hangs a mirror up to society and asks you to ask important questions. Why do these things happen? Why are people capable of these things? Nothing that happens in the book, um, in my story or anyone else's, is outside the realm of human possibility on a regular basis. I guess that's, um, that's really the point. That is really the yeah. point. And, and that's what noir has always been great at, is that it's not about someone going in and solving a crime. It's about looking at the, the reasons a crime is done or how someone thinks they're going to get away with it. Um, you know, the, the thing about the desert and the thing about Palm Springs in general is that it's a transient community. And the transient community opens itself up to bad people, you know? There's an expectation that someone might arrive, stay for a couple of weeks, and leave. That's not the same if you show up in Walla Walla, Washington or something. Because you don't um, want to go to Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> Well, but but you're right. Now. You're right. <laughs> Somebody might show up there on Palm Canyon Drive and leave with a lot of money and your sister. Exactly. And I, I think that's why, um, you know, when, when Barbara was looking at the crime logs and all these things and being surprised, like, don't be surprised that people come to a place where there's tourists to do criminal activity. That's where mm -hmm. I would go. You, I think you know, the like Chamber of Commerce is going to shut us down here, Todd. <laughs> and you're a loyal son living on a golf course behind gated community, and you won't tell me where. I, well, I'm expecting the, that the city will offer to give me a star on their walk of fame, and then they might hear this. And <laughs> I don't that know. Would be that. I don't know. The I heard the city just tore down the statue of the former Mayor Bogert, calling him a bad guy after he worked for the city for all those years. 
He did some uh, abhorrent things and was a great friend to organized crime. I'm not surprised. Mm. Well, mm. there you go. I think there's another another short story in there somewhere. Yes, indeed. There <laughs> probably I might be the one to write it. In fact, <laughs> Barbara, Barbara, how did you get involved with this? I know you've done a lot of these books or have been involved with them. How did you get involved with this particular book? I understand that it's doing well. It's in a second printing. And um, why you? Why are you the editor? Oh, uh, I think it began about four years ago when I was, again, spending a lot of time out in the desert. I've been involved with Orange County Noir and then USA Noir. And um, I wanted to read stories in the desert that took place in the desert. And um, all that I could find, all that I had read was um, a collection Todd put out some years ago. Other than that, there wasn't anything. And so I proposed it to Akashic um, Books, and they said, we're not ready for it right now. So, you know, don't, don't just go away forever. Come back. So and sometime later I went back. Finally, they were ready. And um, I went, you know. You always hear, write the book you want to read. And while I didn't write all the story, I wrote one story in this book. Um, I so wanted to read what all of these writers would come up with that took place out there. And that's really, you know, that was the impetus for the book. How many how many writers are in the book again? Um, there's 14 of us. And 14 stories. Any interesting tidbits you can share about any of the writers? Well, besides Todd, um, <laughs> <laughs> Todd nothing of course, of me, is the most fascinating one. <laughs> yes, in the that's right, because he's from Walnut Creek. That's right. <laughs> the the Dub C. <laughs> he has he has great Frank Sinatra stories, but I won't I won't make him tell it. Um, tell the one that I love. But why not? Fantasy. We well, we love Frank Sinatra stories. Why well, not? Yeah, Todd, tell the story. I just told it to Bruce on the phone the other day. Well, the the great thing about growing up in the desert in the 1980s um, is that my mom was the society columnist here. And what that meant is she dated sort of low-grade mobsters and C-movie actors and got to do a lot of cool stuff. And and then, and then she'd write about it. Um, and one night I was sitting at home. I was 17 years old. I looked like the keyboard player in The Cure at the time <laughs> and uh my mom called and she said put on your tuxedo and come down to melvin's well if you're not familiar with melvin's it's a great old uh hotel and bar where bruce worked as a young man that's right um, that that is the rat pack it is the history of the rat pack is right there at melvin's and and so it was like midnight on a school night and i was like mom it's midnight on a school night and she's like god damn it put on your suit so I put on a tuxedo and I got into my Nissan Sentra and I drove to Melvin's, all 17 years old of me, where I should not have been let in. I'm sure they parked I, that Nissan right in the front with all the Rolls Royces. Uh, when I rolled up, the valet looked at me like like I was dropping off a pizza. And I got out wearing a, I got out wearing a tuxedo and he must have thought I was a hitman. Um, and the, the, uh, the, the folks at Melvin's, let me in because I said, oh, I'm here to see Jan Curran. That was my mother, and they knew her quite well. And they hustled me all the way through Melvin's to the back part of the bar through a, through a door where there was a stage. And my mom said, sit down. Don't speak. And I was like, what is happening? 
And there was martinis and drinking and a bunch of guys with no necks and missing fingers sitting around. I was like, who are all these people? Wonderful people. Wonderful people named Three Finger Philly. And (laughs) out out onto the stage in 1986 or 87 came Frank Sinatra and... uh, Wearing, you know, just how you want him to be wearing. He's wearing a tuxedo with the with the tie around his neck, not done up. And he comes out with a drink and a cigarette, and he sang for an hour and a half right there. And my mom was like, "Watch everything. Remember this. This very, is history. Very special. You it know, was, you it was the coolest. Very special. You know, Barbara, you got Sinatra in your story too. That that I sort do. of surprised me also. Why? I I, I don't know the. It just was, it's sort of like, it was really kind of a theme of the story, you know, that you're, the character's attraction to Sinatra and that lifestyle of Old Palm Springs. I wanted more of it, I think. I think I wanted more of it. That's good to hear. Yeah, I, I want to write more of I it. I think I wanted more of it. <laughs> I think I did. I think I did. Um, is Palm Springs Life magazine still produced down there? Yeah. 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 Yep. Course. Does yeah. the Jones family still own it, or is has it they, gone? They do. They do. Milt, uh, Milt passed away, but his son owns it. Yep, and it's edited by a, a good man named Stephen Biller, who uh, goes and edits it for ten years, leaves and comes back and edits it for another ten years, and leaves and comes back and edits it for another ten years. Are you too young to know the former editor Stuart Weiner? I am not too young to know Stuart Weiner. I, the last time I saw Stuart Weiner, uh, I thought this man never ages. This is the man who worked at Penthouse in the 70s, Palm Springs Life in the 80s and the 90s, and he, he looks like he's 35 years old. Well, that's nice to hear. That's good to hear. I haven't seen him in years. I used to write for him at Palm Springs Life many years ago. Anyway, yeah. anyway, let's – We I hate to do this, but we got to take our third break. When we come back, we're really going to hit the hard questions because these have all been – softballs so far so you better prepare yourself both of you prepare yourself ladies and gentlemen we're going to take our third break it's bruce cook the conversation stay with me we'll be right back ducks radio am 830 klaa As part of the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, Hoag's NeuroSpine program offers innovative methods to reduce pain, inflammation, and improve mobility safely and effectively, often without surgery. Should you need surgery, Hoag is a leader with minimally invasive techniques, 3D imaging, and robotics to restore your golf swing or your swing dance. Many of our patients go home in just a few hours, walking the very next day. Call our dedicated nurse navigator at 949-537-2931 for an evaluation or visit hoag.org forward slash sign Just as a baseball team cares about its coaches and players, the team of dealers at the Irvine Auto Center cares about their customers and their community. Through their Irvine Auto Center Cares program, they donate and sponsor local Orange County charities and events. So if you're searching for a group of dealers who like to give back, your search is over at the Irvine Auto Center, where the 5 meets the 405 at Lake Forest Drive. Turn your search into drive, where the 5 meets the 405 at Lake Forest Drive. 
Wesley is a truck driver. I drive a truck and I love what I do. A truck driver with IRS troubles. They told me I owed them $43,000. It got really bad. <laughs> Quite a few letters in the mail. They were talking uh, about wage garnishment, coming after my house, my car. Yeah, they, they don't play around. I seriously thought that I was going to lose everything. One sleepless night, Wesley finally made a call to Optima Tax Relief at 2 a.m. Kind of figured I'd get a machine, but I didn't. I actually got to talk to an actual person in the middle of the night. <laughs> he found just what he was looking for. Oh, they were great people. You need a team of people that know what they're doing. Optima Tax, they know what they're doing. Optima Tax Relief came through with flying colors. I saved an incredible amount of money. Happy don't even come close. I was absolutely overjoyed. Take Wesley's advice. If you're in any kind of trouble with the IRS, call Optima Tax Relief. Don't trust anybody else. Call Optima for a free consultation. Call 800-375-2922. 800-375-2922. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Replacing your windows and doors doesn't have to be stressful. Instead, it can be transformational. Turning your home into a space that inspires you to live healthier, happier, more comfortably. Seamlessly blending indoors and out to help you feel connected to nature. Marvin Windows and Doors can make the difference. They're thoughtfully designed for the way you live, with an inspiring range of options that let you create the look you want and lasting quality you can feel great about. When you work with a local independent Marvin dealer, you'll get straight advice about window and door replacement. Marvin specialists will help you plan your project and select the right products for your needs. They'll give you a detailed proposal so you know exactly what you're getting and make the whole process easier. If you're ready to transform how your home feels with windows and doors you feel great about, schedule your free consultation at replacementmadeeasy.com. That's replacementmadeeasy.com. Ducks Radio AM 830, KLAA. That's what we're all doing. We're run, run, running. And we're running towards the end of our time together with Barbara DeMarco Barrett and Todd Goldberg. It has been really a, a great joy for me, a great pleasure. I have one more subject to cover before we plug your book and hopefully get you some more book sales. The democracy of the Internet and the changing times has opened up the doors for many, many writers. And consequently, it has been sort of a double-edged sword in the fact that there are opportunities to self-publish your book, to get it out there, but at the same time, for others that really want to pursue a career, it's so much harder to find an agent and to get published by a legitimate house. Barbara, what say you yes. about the difficulty facing young writers today? Well, you know, it, it's hard. I, I don't know if it's harder than it ever has been, actually, to get an agent and to get published. I think good material finds its way. And um, Todd would probably know more about this because he is, you know, running an MFA program and dealing with writers really hoping to recoup the money they spent on their MFA program, maybe. Mm. But, um, 
Well, then, you know, Todd, I, Todd, jump in here because I hear about <laughs> I hear about this frustration a lot. Yeah, and you know, there is not the democratization of publishing um, has worked differently than it has in music and in film, right? So, independent music, people love it. Independent film, people love it. Um, independent writers, people do not love it. <laughs> well, they can't find <laughs> it, and they don't know where they, to look. Well, they can find it pretty easily on Amazon. It's all right. It's all right there. Um, but the the problem is this: is that the the gatekeeping that happens in publishing oftentimes is, is for a good reason. Like you need a good editor, uh, you need a good marketing team, you need all of these things to really be successful. True. Um, you know, so there there is a purpose behind some of these these sort of antiquated notions that are still still out there. Um, and there's also this idea that. Not everyone deserves to be published, to be perfectly frank with you. No, it's um, true. You know, and, and so I, I think that Barbara is right. The, the great work, I think, ends up finding its, its place. I want to um, believe well, that, too. Let me stop you. I want to believe that, too. But here's, here's my point. Unless you have an avenue or a connection to an agent, nobody's going to look at your great work. They, they're inundated. They're totally inundated. It's impossible, and that has changed. And in, in days past, there was a chance somebody could take a look at it. Not anymore. Am I wrong? Well, that yes, you're wrong. Why you're, am I wrong? Saying, so agents don't have. There's not an infinite number of agents, of course, but they are constantly taking new work. So the students, for instance, that come through my MFA program. We're, we're educating them about the business. We're telling them how to target specific agents, how to do the research, all those things. Agents are not not looking to make money. They want to make money. They want to find new talent. The process of getting an agent, the querying of them, and then sending the work and all of that stuff, dealing with the rejection, it's a, it's a long process. And you have to be willing to put in, say, three months to three years to find the right agent for your work. If you're really good, an agent is going to want that work. So the, the notion that it's impossible to get an agent is not true. People get agents every single day. Last week, the last two weeks, I think five of my most recent students got literary agents. Wow. Um, so that's just something that, that happens. What you hear about is people saying, I can't get an agent. Well, you can't get an agent because your book isn't any good. That's just... <laughs> Boy, That's you're cutting to the chase. <laughs> oh, my well, God. And this is, this is the notion that people deserve to be published. You don't deserve to be published. You can write all you want. Publishing is, is a business. It's called the publishing business, not the publishing gallery. So if all you right. want to write, write. If okay. you want to be in business, write for business. All right. I have to stop you with that because now I'm really depressed. But that goes in, <laughs> goes in line with the noir theme of the show. What, you know. <laughs> Barbara, we only have a couple minutes left. Plug the book. Talk about it. How do we get it? Besides Amazon, bookstores, talk about it. we got two minutes to really plug away to get you some book sales. Well, well, I mean, it's everywhere, you know, anywhere that books are sold. It, it's uh, Although I will say that there's a lot of freighters or a lot of um, container ships out in, in the water that I see from when I take my morning walks, and who knows if the books are sitting on those ships because I thousands of <laughs> thousands of them. <laughs> Barbara, you are not you are, them. Barbara, you are <laughs> yeah. not doing a good job selling this book. 
I'm going to take over right now. Oh, dear. Okay, take over. Here we go. Listeners, the holidays are coming up. If you want something. <laughs> oh, you are a marketing fan, genius. For a crime fan in your family, you have 14 bite-sized pieces of American mystery <laughs> and crime. Perfect for every single person in your family. From best-selling authors like Todd Goldberg and T. Jefferson Parker and Janet Fitch. <laughs> to unknowns that are just coming up, like Rob Bowman, and folks in between, like Kelly Shire and Rob Roberge. This is the book for you. It is a can't-miss anthology that takes the temperature of American crime fiction in the 21st century. Barbara! So, done. Barbara! <laughs> I never thought of them as bites. Bites of murder, bites of depravity. Just what we need for the Christmas and Hanukkah holidays. We need bites That's of right. depravity. No containership talk. All marketing. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we did. I'm glad that we uh, we got to the, you know, the bottom of the whole reason for being here tonight. <laughs> There's no better way to end the show. Is there a website to reach either of you, or do you not want any contact? Sure. You can yeah, always can find go me to PalmSpringsNoir.com for me, and Todd is at. ToddGoldberg.com, or you can show up to any gated community in the desert and ask for me. And if you find the right one, <laughs> they I'll walk right out. They might let you in. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> or they, come, or, in for, come in for some kugel. Or the guard at the gate might put a rope around your neck and drag you into the back room and do something to you, and then you're going to write a story about it. The odds are even. And yeah. then the sand trap, it would he would he would end up going in the sand trap, and then the golfer the next week would shoot, and the ball would land on the person's head, and that's how they would find him. Yeah, I like it. Bruce, you're going to be in the sequel. <laughs> Thank you both so much for being on tonight. All the best success with Palm Springs Noir and anything else you do in the future. It's been a joy, an honor to have you. I wish you all good health, good luck. And good night. We're done. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks so much. Yeah, good night, everybody. Thank you. And tonight had something You've been listening to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear the Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. <laughs>